You know, when I uh, sing that song, um, that song means more to me when I know the stories of Jacob and Abraham and Mary and Isaac and David. And, you know, uh, it, it reminds me that we have a really big God. I don't know what you're facing in life right now, but you have a really big God. You have no worries. You have no problems. You got a big God. And there's nothing you're facing right now in life that's bigger than your God. There's no battle you're facing in life right now that's bigger than your God. Nothing is impossible for God. So I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to hear that. You have a God that's bigger. And you came to church today to hear that. You have a God who's bigger. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be troubled. You don't have to let things get under your skin. You have a big God. You have a big God. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. You are so good. Thank you for your presence. We sense your presence right now. And Lord, I just pray that you just continue to take over this service. Would you continue to have your way here, Lord? Move here in a special way. Move in the heart of the person who is here, uh, but they're really not expecting anything. Move in their heart in a surprising way. Move in the heart of the person who's troubled and worried, maybe has some anxiety, maybe they're tired of fighting the same giant over and over again. Move in the heart of the person who needs your grace. They know they've messed up over and over. They know they need your grace. Move in that person today. Move in the heart of the person who's watching online. Speak to them, Lord. We need you, God. You are our God, our hope, our Savior. And we walk by faith. Our trust is in you. So have your way here. Holy Spirit, move in me and through me. Anoint this message. Have your way here, Lord. I pray that lives are changed. I pray that you reached the atheist, the agnostic, the Christian, wherever we're at, God. I pray that you, you reach every soul, Lord. I pray we turn our hearts to you and we trust you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn to someone next to you and just tell them you have a big God. Can you do that? Just tell them you have a big God. You have a big God. Tell them you have a big God because he is a big God. Praise the Lord. Well, God is good. I appreciate the worship team and and uh, and uh, all the work they put into this. Uh, before I jump into this, I needed to remind you guys about Faith Unleashed. Uh, Faith Unleashed is a program that we're starting on Sunday, August 6th at 9 a.m. So I'm sorry, what time is it going to be? You guys at 9 a.m. Yeah. And uh, we want to encourage all of you to be a part of this. Uh, this is uh, our main pipeline for you to, to grow in your relationship with God. And we want to help you discover your purpose. So that's the, the story behind this. And our hope is at the end of this, it's only four weeks, so it's not forever. It's four weeks long, and our hope is that at the end of it, uh, you will find your purpose and you would be serving somewhere. So that's our hope. So whether you've been here at this church for a day or for many, many years, we want to encourage you to be a part of it. Also want to say, uh, when you come to that on Sunday at 9 a.m., um, we want you to come to worship service as well. So please don't assume, well, I went to church. I went to that Bible study thing. I think I got credit in heaven. You did not get credit in heaven for that. I just want you to know that. You, uh, <laughs> just kidding with you. But please come. Please come and uh, be a part of it. Um, uh, I want to, uh, I'm going to start off this message, guys. Uh, I'm really excited about this message, how God 
has moved in my heart. This is, I'm excited about this. This is um, unexpected. I hope you came with a heart of expectation. Anybody expecting God to move? Anybody need a word from God right now? Anybody just honest enough to say, I need God. I need God. And I appreciate the honesty. Um, there's, a, there's a phrase that I bet you've heard of. Um, the phrase is this, the grass is greener on the other side. You ever heard that phrase? The grass is greener on the other side. I am so excited right now that my grass is green right now. With all the rain we've gotten, it's been so good. It's been so nice. And, uh, and uh, I uh, recently, one of my sprinklers went bad, so I went ahead and started working on it. And uh, I, I, those of you who know me, I'm, I'm not incredibly mechanically inclined. I'm embarrassed to say that. So uh, I had it all taken apart, and Grace was looking for me. So I like, I feel like a real man right now. So I'm like, come on out here, baby. I'm out here. Everything's open. I want her to see me with a hammer in my hand. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to see that. I wanted to show her that, hey, look, you married a man. Look at that. How about them apples? But anyway, I'm glad she saw me. That's all that matters. But uh, the grass is greener on the other side. Um, <clears throat> how many of you have moved from one address to another address, and I just want to take a little poll. How many of you have moved five times or more in your lifetime? Just raise your hand. Okay, how about 10 times or more? Raise your hand. How about 15 times or more? Oh my word, hands are How about 30 times or more? Oh wow, we have one or two. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, if you're in the military, uh, you move around a lot. You move around a whole lot. My sister married a Navy doctor, and they move around. They have moved around a lot. And, and I understand in that situation, the government kind of owns you, and you've got to go wherever the government says you need to go, and, and that's kind of the way it is. But sometimes we can move around uh, on our own, or on our own. Um, there's, a, there's a 2007 study that said this, a person moves an average of 11.7 times in their lifetime. When I saw that, I thought, gosh, that seems high. But then I thought, you know what, if I do the math, I think that that could be true. There are people who move around a lot. There are people. I think it's changed a little bit. Actually, since the 1940s, um, it's been declining. Fewer and fewer people are moving every year. Fewer, fewer and fewer people. Um, that's been happening. In fact, I thought about why do people move? And sometimes I think it might be related to finances. We're going to go and live in Podunk, you know, South Alabama, because <laughs> you can buy a house for $40,000, and that's where we're going to live. You know, sometimes, you know, pandemic, that, that, that happens, and working remote is a big attraction now, right? It's, that's something that's, that, that we're attracted to. Um, but I've, I've met people who move because they have bad neighbors, they don't like their neighbors, so they want to move, or, or they want to move closer to family, or they want to move away from family. <laughs> it's both ways, actually. I've heard that also. I've heard maybe it's because of a job, or, or uh, it might be because of a girl. Hello. Mm-hmm. Might be because of a guy, you're going to chase after him and you're going to move where he moves. Or maybe it's political views of the state. That's something that's happened in the last few years. The political views drive you to move somewhere else. Or uh, maybe it's a lifestyle change or you're going to be closer to your parents to help them out. Or it might be a health situation. Or there's something else. You want to just start over. So I'm going to move because I'm going to start over. And I want to fresh start. So I want to do that. I want to clean slate and I want to do that. Or maybe you move because you've been hurt by others or you're tired. There's some people who are like panic movers. You know those people? Like all of a sudden, I got to move. I got to move. I got to go. And like nothing is packed. Nothing is packed. I always love those people who say, hey, can you help me move? And then we show up to their house and nothing is packed. You know who you are. That's not cool. That's not cool at all. But it's like, I got to move. I got to move. What would happen? You had a bad day at work. Yeah, I got to go. I got to go. You know, someone said, and you're like, really? Just that quick? And some people just move around a lot, move around. Today's title is called Changing Addresses. Changing Addresses. When I, uh, I, I plan out the messages pretty early and I plan out the titles and when the Lord gave me this title, I don't know, about seven weeks ago or something like that, I, I felt like it was from the Lord. And I put changing addresses on, 
on my spreadsheet saying, okay, I'm going to preach about changing addresses on this weekend in July. And I had no idea what the passage would be about. I had no idea what the context would be. And, and, and as I worked on it this week, I'm like, okay, why did I call it changing addresses? What is this about, God? Every week I seek God and say, God, what do you want me to say? Give me a fresh word. Give me a word from your Holy Spirit for the people who are going to hear this message in person and online. God, give me a word. And uh, last night, the Lord just really spoke to me, guys. He spoke to me in such a clear way, and, and I'm so excited about sharing this message with you now. But I, I talked about how we move from address to address, but I think we could also move when things get tough. We can also move when things are challenging in our life or circumstances are challenging, and we can say, you know what, I'm out of this relationship. I'm, I'm moving away from this job. I'm moving away from this situation. The circumstances are hard. And you know what the truth is? A lot of times it's easier to walk, isn't it? That's just the truth. I'm going to leave the church because the pastor said something or someone said something or they did something or whatever it is. So I'm going to leave the church and I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm not going to tell. I'm just going to leave the church. And I'm going to move away because something was said or something was done and it got under my nerves and I'm, I'm, I'm bothered about it and I'm going to change my address. All right, let's jump into this, guys. As I looked at this, the Lord led me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 describes an incredible, incredible moment between an ordinary man and God. God speaks to this man named Abram. Abraham becomes Abraham later, but when God meets Abraham, Abraham is not Abraham <laughs> in many ways. So we're just to look at this. Genesis chapter 12 starts off like this. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. That requires some faith. And God is the one who says, leave. In verse 2. And then he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. God's just telling Abraham what he's about to do. And notice in here, God is the one who says, I will make, I will bless I will do. He's the one who's doing all of this. And then he says, uh, says this in verse 3. Um, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. He's the father of Jews, the father of the Hebrew nation. Hasn't had any kids at this point. God's telling him in advance he's going to be blessed and all of his descendants will be blessed. Verse 4 says, so Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Lot went with him. Lot is his nephew. Um, incidentally, Lot was just inconvenience. I mean, that's all he was. He didn't really help Abraham, didn't really help, you know, pursue, or didn't, didn't help the purpose of, of what God was doing with Abraham. But it seems like Lot was always getting himself into some trouble, <laughs> and it affected Abraham. Um, do you have any relatives like that? But that's, what, that was, that's who Lot was. Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old. Say 75 with me. 75. 75 years old when, uh, when he went, and, uh, and when, he, when he left Haran, he took his wife Sarai. Sarai. Eventually she'll be Sarah. He took with his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into, the house, into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. Where they arrived in, uh, when they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Moray. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. Incredible passage. 
incredible. This is the start of God's chosen people. This is the start of, of, of uh, God working and showing all of the world what it means to be his children, his child. And, and God tells Abraham, I want you to leave. I want you to do this. I have a picture that this might look a little bit like this. When he left and he said, okay, we're gonna, I'm, I want you to gather all of your stuff. And, and, and I want you to, you know, pack your underwear, and that's all you're going to need. And, and Scripture tells Abraham, God tells Abraham, I'm going to show you a place. Now, that required a lot of faith, didn't it? That required a lot of faith. Would, would, you, would you be willing to just do anything God wants you to do? That's hard. That's hard. Sometimes we say, God, I'll do anything as long as it's, as it's within, you know, the city limits of, you know, God, I'll do anything. As long as it's, you know, 10 miles from mom or dad, I am for you, God. I will do whatever you want. As long as it makes sense to me. I remember when Grace and I, when we moved from Colorado Springs up to Thornton, we'd never lived in Thornton and never been up here, didn't have any family or anything like that. We just knew God wanted us to start a church up here, didn't know anything about it. I didn't know how to say Thornton. You know, you drop the N, right? I didn't know how to say it. And uh, it was all scary. It was scary. It was one of the lonely times in our lives, but we learned to trust God during that time. Abraham was told to leave his native country, his relatives, and his family, and to go to the land that God would show him. And he packed up his stuff, and he said, God, I will go. Now, the blessing comes after the obedience. I want you to hear that. The blessing comes after the obedience. Verse 10, check it out. The same chapter, verse 10, something happens. Now, there was a famine. Say famine with me. A famine. In the land, what's a famine? It's a scarcity of food, or very little food. And Abram went down to Egypt. Did you see that? And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. The first thing I want you to see is God calls Abram to a place Abraham goes to this place, Canaan, and he's living there. And God gives Abraham this promise. But what's one of the first things that happens? A famine happens. A famine. It doesn't make sense, does it? We think, God, that's not how you're supposed to work. You're, you know, because I obeyed you, things should go well. Because I, I you know, took action to my faith and I said, okay, I'll do it then good things should happen. But what I've discovered many times in scripture and in life, God takes you to a place and then he allows you to go through a famine or something like it to help you grow in your faith. He wants you to grow, learning to trust him, learning to depend on him, learning to lean on him. God wants you to grow like that. I have a picture of a desert. This is kind of what it feels like. You know, when you go through a desert, you're like, okay, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect this. It reminds me of the Israelites. After they crossed the Red Sea, they were thirsty and they were hungry and they began to complain. Abraham goes to the promised land, and one of the first things that happens is there's a famine. And all of a sudden, he's the one. God never tells him to go to Egypt. God never tells him that. On his own, he looked across and said, you know what? Egypt has green grass. Egypt has food. There's, there's no famine going on in Egypt. So I think I'm going to just kind of hit pause on this for a little bit. And I'm going to go to that side because I want a good life. I want a better life. And I know God called me here, but there, it's a desert. It's a famine right now. There's nothing happening here. So I'm going to go over there because maybe that's where God really wants me to go. I mean, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be comfortable. God wants, I mean, there, God wants me to be happy, so I'm sure he's okay with that. And he goes to Egypt. And if you know the Bible a little bit, Egypt <laughs> is just full of many gods. And over and over in scripture, you see Egypt pop up. And each time it pops up, it represents a place that's not for God's people. Each time. 
You see it as a place that God, it's there in the background. And many times when we go through, when we, when we say, okay, God, I'm going to obey you or I'm going to do what you want to do. And when we face this desert, when we face this famine, we're left with a decision of thinking, did I, make, did, I, did I do the right thing? Did I make the wrong turn? Why is this happening to me? You know what? I probably need to change my address. He goes to Egypt. And in this story, this is a part where He's like lying and he tells his wife, look, I want you to tell everyone you're my sister because they're going to, they're going to, you know, they might hurt us. We, our lives might be in jeopardy. So he tells Sarai to lie to the king. And of course the king finds out and says, what did you do? Why didn't you tell us that this was your wife and not your sister? I mean, the guy just does things that are out of character. And when we take wrong turns in life, we do things that are out of character. When we go into the wrong relationships, when we go to the wrong places, we do things that are out of character. And we think, how could, I didn't think I was able to, I, think I, I didn't think I was capable of lying. Why am I, why am I doing this? Why is this happening? What, what's going on? Well, the truth was, Abraham was afraid. Abraham was afraid. He was afraid. And let me say this, here's the first lesson you get from this, is whenever God, call, whenever God calls you, wherever God calls you, Wherever, God will provide. Wherever God calls you, God will provide. See, many times we just shrink God down to our size. It has to make sense in our head. But wherever God calls you, he will provide. He's a good God. And, and he's really good with math. He's really good with math. He really is good with taking care of circumstances. You don't have to worry about anything. Abraham changed addresses out of fear. Out of fear. So there's wrong reasons to move. You're running from your problems. Wrong reason. You're bored. You're exhausted. You feel like something is missing. You know, you're moving into a compromising situation that's going to affect your spiritual life. That's the wrong reason to move. Let me say this. Just because you change addresses doesn't mean you're a different person. You're the same person at a different address. You're the same person. Sometimes we think, oh, if I'm going to move, I'm going to be someone different. I'm going to have a clean slate. You're the same guy. You're the same guy. The things that weren't resolved over here, they're not going to be resolved over here. You're the project. You're the project. And the things that you think, oh boy, this is everyone's fault, and this, he did this, and she did this, and that church did this, or that job did this, and I'm going to move over here to a new church, new job, new place, new relation, and it's going to be different. Yeah, just give it a little bit of time. Some of those things are going to pop up again. They will, because you're the same person. You just have a new address. And many times we look at life and we think, well, we just have, I just need a new address. I can't tell you how many times we've had people who have left, maybe because of a job, and they move states away because, you know, the affordability or whatever it is. And when they move, you know what happens many times? They underestimated what they had when they were here. They undervalued what they had when they were here. And they go to that new place, and I can't tell you how many times they've told me, we can't find a church. I can't tell you how many times they've told, us, told me, the community is so different. The culture is so different. I thought this was, uh, we were doing it for money, and now that we're over here, things are different. I didn't realize the value of the relationships my man had. My man had relationships at Thorn Creek Church, and they were so strong, and we moved to a new place, and now he doesn't want to have any relationships with anyone. Now he's a different man. My kid was so involved over there at that church, and now we moved to another place, and now, now they're not involved at all. They're changing. Their character is changing. They're different, and there's this incredible domino effect that happens when you make decisions like that. Sometimes you don't know what you have until you leave it, right? Sometimes you don't know what you have until you leave it. And some of us need to go through that just to help us understand what we have. Some of us, you know, the crazy thing about this whole thing is I looked at Genesis, Genesis, yeah, Genesis chapter 12. The crazy thing about this 
is we're talking about Abraham, the father of faith. This is a guy that everyone looks at in scripture and says, I want to have faith like Abraham. You know, father Abraham had many sons. I mean, I would have, everybody looks at Abraham and says, I want to have faith like him. I mean, he's the guy who took his only son up to this mountain and was going to sacrifice it to God, and he was going to, I mean, that's like Abraham. He's the guy who trusted God, even in his old age, and God said, I'm going to give you a child, and he just trusted God. I mean, I, I, and he's, he's counted righteous because of his faith. But in Genesis chapter 12, he's not Abraham. You know what that tells me? Sometimes God gives, just like he plants a seed inside of us, and it's bigger than us. It's bigger than us. It's like he gives us a pair of shoes that are just over, just way bigger than us, and he's like, you'll grow into it. You'll, right now, you're not there. You may think you are. You may think you are, but right now, you're not. And I want to say this, you have to grow into your faith. Look at the beauty of God. God called Abraham to do something. And the truth is, Abraham didn't have the legs to do it. He can do some of it. He did move. And even him going down to Egypt, it delayed the promise. It delayed the obedience. God could have provided in another way. God did it with Elijah. God can do it over and over. He's God. He's a big God. But sometimes our own feet get in the way. Sometimes our own stubbornness, our own perception. And God says, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. But we can have our own fears and all those things kind of get in the way. Let me say it like this. The grass may be greener on the other side, but the water bill is higher. (laughs) Right? It's higher. And you may think, oh, if I change addresses, if I leave this situation, if I leave this job, if I leave this whatever, it's going to be better. And you might be fueled by something in your imagination. You have a picture of what your life could look like in Egypt. And this picture is white picket fence, better lifestyle, better situation, better church, better community, better whatever, better, better, better. And then when you go there, you realize, you know what? It's not perfect either. And I have new issues that I didn't have over there. And you discover that. The grass may be greener on the other side, but the water bill is higher. Abraham was facing a famine. Proverbs chapter 3 gives us great insight on how we should look at change. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Let's read it together guys. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, come on, and lean not on your own understanding. I just want to stop at verse 5 because that's a battle for us, isn't it? We look at our problems, our situations, our Goliaths, our giants, And we look at our house, our future, our past, whatever it is, and and we can look at it with our own perspective, our own eyes, and come to conclusions about what God can or cannot do. God's not limited to your understanding. Glory to God. God's not limited. God can do anything. God can heal you. God can heal you from old wounds. Do you believe that? Some of you don't sing right now. I'm talking about you may not have the joy of the Lord in your heart, and it's been a long time. God can restore you. God can restore you. God can do anything. God can bring a river where there was a desert. And the scripture here says, trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All of your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Don't do it. If you leaned on your own understanding, first of all, your perspective is very limited. It's very limited. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and you cannot see everything, all the angles, the way God can see it. You don't know that God is working in your neighbor's heart, in your spouse's heart, in your boss's heart, in your kid's heart. You don't know what God is doing. 
But God's working. God's doing things. And you may not see it, but God is saying, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. It may not make sense to you. It may not even feel like it's logical. But God is saying, trust me. Abraham moved to Canaan, the promised land, and he expected great blessings. But then he runs into this famine, and then he changed his address too quickly. There's something the Lord showed me in here I don't want to share with you. There's a biblical principle that you find over and over in Scripture. There's this principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Um, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says it like this. You will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. Or whatever you sow, you will reap. Whatever you plant will grow, whatever it is. So, so when, when, you, when you see that, you have to understand what you put in the ground is important. Here's a picture of a ground, you know, when we're trying to plant something. The, the, the two things here, first of all, you have to make sure that whatever you're planting is of God. It's righteous. It's pleasing in the eyes of God. It's the direction you want to have fruit from this seed that you are planting. So it's not just plant, because you can plant good things and plant bad things. There's good seed and there's bad seed. You can be in the wrong relationship and there's consequences because of that. Or you can be in the right relationship and there's good consequences because of that. So the seed that you choose to plant is important. Jesus said the, call, the charge was to go and bear fruit and fruit that will last. Fruit that will last. So what you, what you plant is important. Now you have to understand in this law of sowing and reaping and planting and harvest, when you put something in the ground, you know what you do? You wait. You just wait. Doesn't that sound exciting? You just trust God. That's how good. Oh, I'm going to read my Bible today because I know it's good for my soul. I'm going to go to church because I know it's good for my soul. You know, I'll, maybe I'll start giving a little bit because I know it's good for my soul. I think I'm going to do a good thing for someone because I think it's good. I think it pleases God. I'm going, to, I'm going to do something that I believe is honoring to God. So you might put that seed in the ground. Then you got to wait. You got to wait. I think our problem is, guys, we don't like to wait. We want to microwave that seed. I want it in there for three minutes, God. And if you don't put something out in three minutes, I'm changing my address. You know what I'm saying? But really good farmers know how to wait. Really good farmers. There was a time in my life when I thought it'd be pretty cool to be a farmer. And then I realized how much work that's involved. There's no day off. There's no vacation days. The cows still have to be fed. The sheep, the, you know, the, the horses, whatever it is. But that's a lot of work. I mean, hats off to American farmers. It's a lot of work. Thank God for them. But really good Christians, if you want the most out of life, this, you could have titled this message, How to Be Successful in Your Life. That could have been the title of this message. Because it's about planting the right seeds in the right soil. And then just waiting. But during that waiting time, you know what you're doing? You're trusting God. You're being faithful. Even though it doesn't feel like anything is happening. If you're single, wait on God for that right person. Don't force things. You, you don't have to force things. God's more than able. He's more than able. And so many times we think, I'm just going to help God out a little bit. I'm just going to help him out because he needs help, and I'm going to help him out. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. You think God needs your help? There's times when God says obey and act out. That's true, but that's different. God loves it when you wait. And when you look at Scripture, Abraham was counted righteous while he was waiting. While he was waiting. You see it over and over and over. And you wait. You have to learn to wait. Sowing and reaping implies waiting. 
Verse 9 says it like this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we what? If we don't give up. Why does it say it like that? I think it says it like that because when we plant that seed and we say, I'm going to start doing the right things, what happens if there's a famine after you plant that seed? What happens if the unexpected happens that you weren't expecting? What happens if you plant that seed and it's not coming out of the ground quick enough for you? You know what there's a tendency to do? Give up. Give up. You walk away from it and you say, you know what? I tried, and you could even convince yourself that you tried, and you can convince everyone around you, yep, we tried it. It didn't work for me. You didn't know, you didn't wait. Instead of saying that, just say, I have no self-control to wait. That's my problem. That's the truth. Because just because you don't see anything happening doesn't mean God's not working. God's not working. There's this incredible richness, this value of learning to wait on God even though you don't see anything happening. Learning to trust God. Learning to trust God. And don't give up. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them don't give up. Somebody needs to hear that. Don't give up. There's another word here in Psalm says it like this. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. The thing about this verse that grabs me is it's the same person but there are two different emotional states. Those who sow with tears. Have you ever been hurt? Have you ever been at that place where you're like, I'm tired? Have you ever been to the point of tears? All of us have. And the scripture is saying, you know what? You be faithful. You sow with tears. Do the right thing under the eyes of God. Do the little things. Keep walking by faith. Keep being obedient. You may sow with tears. And then there's this gap. There's this gap in this verse right here. You sow with tears, but eventually, on the other side, if you wait, if you stay faithful, if you stick to the plan, if you stick to the course, if you keep walking by faith, if you keep trusting God, if you keep surrendering yourself to God, eventually on the other side, there's going to be a song. Hallelujah. You sow in tears and you wait and you pray and you trust and you walk by faith and you keep going even in the famine. And on the other side, there's a song coming out of your mouth. Glory to God. But you got to wait. You got to wait. God wants you to learn to trust him. He knows your heart. He knows the desires of your heart. Let me say it like this. When God calls you to something, he's calling you to sow and wait. Sow and wait. If you think about it, our inability to wait is pretty self-centered. It's really, it's, I, you know what? I'm so important. <laughs> it needs to happen quickly. I mean, we don't like to wait in lines? I mean, who likes to wait on the phone on hold? Who likes to wait in line at Starbucks? I mean, who likes to, I mean, even them, they now have, you know, mobile ordering now so that you don't have to wait. So you don't have to wait. But when it comes to your relationship with God, you've got to wait. You got to trust God. God wants you to learn to walk by faith and wait and trust him. When God calls you to something, he's calling you to sow and wait. About 25 years ago, before I started Thorn Creek Church, I, uh, I visited another church in Mission Viejo, California, a pretty popular church, Saddleback Community Church. Rick Warren is the pastor. Actually, he just, just uh, retired from being a pastor recently. But uh, when I was there, I remember, this is 25 years ago or so, and, and I walked around the campus, I was with other pastors, and I was blown away. I was blown away at looking at what God has done. It's beautiful. 
when you see the fruit of faithfulness in someone's personal life or in a church. It's beautiful. I mean, for some of you, I mean, you have fruit of faithfulness in your life. Like if we took a picture of your life 10 years ago, it would look very different from today. You know what I'm talking about? There's just, you just, you, and if that's not where you're at, you will get there. If you walk, by, you walk with Jesus, you walk by faith, it'll get there. And you look back at who you used to be and you're like, I'm not that person anymore. You don't know how far God has taken me. He's given me a whole new life. When I was walking around and I was looking at, now it's Southern California, so there's like palm trees and all that stuff. And I wish we had palm trees in Denver, but we don't. We have other things. But anyway, um, I was looking around. I'm like, gosh, this is. And then the climate was gorgeous. And but looking at the fruit of his faithfulness, and I remember he shared that his prayer was, God, um, would you allow me to be in one church serving you? And I heard that, and I'm just going to be honest with you. That's when God spoke to me and said, I want you to start a church. I didn't know the name of it. But I said this prayer. I said, God, if you'd allow me to, would you allow me to be in one church and pour myself into that church? But I want to be, I want to be faithful for you. I want to bear much fruit. I don't want to just be at a, I don't know, I don't want to coast. That's not the way I'm wired. Those of you who know me, I'm not wired like that. I don't want to just get by. I don't want to do that. That's, that's the wrong attitude. I want to see much fruit. So that was my prayer. I said, God, if you'd allow me to, but I want your will, allow me to be at one church, and I pray that it just grows. That was quite a prayer. The average pastor stays at a church for about four years or five years. Four or five years. I've been at it for close to 21 years now. So you, 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 I appreciate the celebration. And you know what, guys? It's been hard. I've had famines. I'm being honest with you. On a personal level, we've experienced hard times. My wife had two miscarriages. They go, God, why did you allow that to happen to our life? We're serving you, God. We're the good guys, aren't we? Why did you allow that to happen, God? Why? We've had marriage. You know, marriage takes work. We've been married for a long time, 31, 32 years, and it takes work. You know what's the worst? Writing a sermon right after you've had an argument. Can I, I'm just being real with you guys. That's hard. You, you don't have to do that. Could you imagine like, like getting in an argument and then coming on stage with a mic in front of your face and talking about the love of God? Yeah, how's that feel? There's been times that, that I have just not been my best, where I've walked away, I've been angry, I've done things, I've said things, and I think, why did I do that? I was angry, I was hurt, I was worn out. Can I just be real with you guys? I know we're, we're always concerned about maintaining our image. The truth is, I don't have it all together. You don't have it all together. So you can stop acting like you have it all together. None of us have it all together. We all need the grace of God. We all need the grace of God. I want to talk to real people. Those of you who are fake, don't worry about this. This is for you. I want to talk to people who know what I'm talking about. You know what it feels like to be hurt? Pastors pour themselves into people. And then they say things to you that just, it hurts. Somebody says something to you and it rubs you the wrong way. I'm going to go back to church next week. I'll show them. You know what I mean? Guess what? I'm back on stage next week. I'm not running. Been there before? You pour into someone and there's an unkind word. You pour into someone and you're slandered. You pour into someone and you're hurt. There's been times when I've been like, God, are you sure you want me to do this, God? I'm, I'll go saltwater fishing and open up a bait and tackle shop in Corpus Christi or Port Aransas, and I'll do that. I don't need to be doing this, God. And God says, nope. I'm not releasing you. I've called you. 
There's been times when I got, you know, when I got COVID, I got the real COVID. I wasn't playing. I didn't get the sissy COVID. I'm just telling you, I was in ICU for 10 days. I got the real COVID. Very alone. God, why is this happening to me? When I got Ramsey Hunt and my face was paralyzed, God, is this your way of saying I'm done? Is this your way? Do you know what it feels like to have lonely battles that nobody knows about? Yeah. So I, I think we can learn more from our weaknesses that we share with each other than our strengths. We could learn more because you know what happens when you share your weaknesses? You're like, oh, I'm not the only one. You have battles too. And if God can use you, you know what? He can use anyone. Glory to God. He can use anyone. You have to work on your marriage. I have to work on my Oh, that makes me feel so much better. That makes me feel so much better. So I said this prayer. I said, God, I want to be faithful to you. I want to be faithful to you. Let me say this. In our world today, longevity can be viewed as a weakness. In the kingdom of God, faithful longevity is viewed as a strength. In our world today, even in the corporate world, if you think about it a little bit, there's an idea of you've been with a company too long, well, then you're not growing. You're not marketable. You're not scalable. You're being held back or whatever. But in the kingdom of God... Faithfulness, longevity matters to God. It pleases God. It pleases God. It's really fascinating to me how I've had people compliment me on my longevity. Because I always think, why are you complimenting me on my longevity? Because you have the same God. I had pastors compliment me on longevity and and it's not unusual. We had a lender that we're looking at. We're looking at, uh, you know, money, all kinds of other stuff related to the future. I'll share that another time with you. But I had a lender come and visit me. And he, the first thing he comes into our doors in the front lobby, the first thing he says, he says, you're really unique. And I don't even know the guy. And he said, I've heard about you. And then he names a very large church in Denver that a lot of you would know. And he said, I know they wanted you. And I said, yeah, I... I just feel like God wants me to be here. I think too many times what we think is instead of, of uh, you know what, I'm just going to move to greener grass. I'm going to move to a situation that's better instead of growing through where you are at. Instead of working through and growing through your relationships and everything else, you need spiritual grit to be faithful to the seed. You need spiritual grit. And we've discovered that as a church. When you're in church, when you have volunteers show up, there's really a couple of types of people. And one of them is kind of a big splash person. <clears throat> Maybe you've seen them. They're just, you know oozing with gifts and talents and maybe even charisma and and they're just maybe even magnetic and and they're like oh we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this and I'll do this and I came and I did this and I can do this and I can do this and here's what I've learned after 30 years of ministry that person makes a big splash but guess what happens when there's a famine but you know who you know who, who the ones who, who who the church is riding on those who are slow and steady. Those who know how to be faithful. Those whose word matters. That's what I've learned. Those people who are in it, and they're in it in all the seasons. So slow and steady. And you have to be careful. If you're one of these people who change addresses quickly, you have to be careful. Because there's a cost when you walk away from situations or things or jobs or relationships, or whatever that God has called you to do or be or whatever, or churches, there's a cost behind that. One of the costs is you don't get to seed the seed. And actually, you're not even nurturing the ground that God has told you to put that seed in because you walked away. You're not nurturing it at all. When you keep looking for the next, you will miss out on what God is doing right under your feet. You will miss out. You will not see what God is doing right under your feet. You won't appreciate what God is doing right under your feet because all you're doing is you're looking at Egypt. That's all you're doing. And God's doing the work right under, right under you, right under you. You have to be careful. Now we have what I call COVID Christians, COVID churchgoers. 
when everything shut down and everyone looked at church online, you know, it was like, this is cool. I can visit 10 churches within 30 minutes from my living room. I can just click on this tab and this tab and this tab and this tab. And, and I'm visiting. This is so cool. I could be in my pajamas and I can eat bacon and eggs and drink my coffee and say, yep, I went to church. COVID Christians. And there's a lot of those people who have not jumped back into church. Have not. They just kind of float around. Just kind of float around. The church misses out when you don't invest yourself into that church. The church body is stronger when you choose to engage, when you choose to commit. The church is stronger. And let me say this other thing when it comes to relationships. For those of you who, when it becomes hard, let me hear this. People who change addresses often don't know how to resolve conflict. Think about that a little bit. Because what they do is when it becomes hard, when someone says an unkind thing to you, when someone says something that bothers you, you know what you do? You avoid them. You're not growing through it. Or you might even leave church or leave the job or whatever it is. But people, people who change addresses often don't know how to resolve conflict. Because when you stay, you know what it requires you to do? Talk. Communicate. Work through that misunderstanding. Here, check this out. It requires you to forgive. It requires you to forgive. It requires you to work through that thing. And for some of us, you know what? Rather than forgiving, I'll ignore. Rather than making an effort, I'll just change my address. So people who move quickly, they don't know how to resolve conflict. They don't know how to resolve conflict. And God will give you signs of affirmation. When you're on the right path, God will give you signs of affirmation. I'm gonna share something with you guys that's not gonna mean nearly as much to you as it does to me. I'm just gonna tell you that up front. I know it's not gonna mean nearly as much to you. I'm gonna cast some pearls at your feet. I'm getting personal and intimate with my spiritual life right now. And, and, and <clears throat> I'm just gonna throw some pearls down. I, just, I debated on whether or not I should share this. But I want you to know you have a good God. That's why I'm sharing this. That's why I'm sharing it, because you have a good God. You have a God who knows the desires of your heart. That's why I'm sharing this, okay? <clears throat> so when I got COVID um, really bad, my oxygen level was bad and all that stuff, I got a watch. And uh, I was grateful for it. My family pitched in and got me one of those um, Apple watches. That's what it was. They could measure my, my breathing because it was horrible. When I'd go visit people at the hospital, I'd have to sit down in the waiting room and measure my breathing and all that craziness. So I was grateful for that. And I still wear it quite a bit. I wear it quite a bit. Um, then um, a few years after that, I thought, you know what? It'd be kind of nice to have a, a little bit nicer watch that I can a little dressy up kind of watch a little bit that I can maybe preach with that looks, you know what I mean? I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just opening my heart with you guys. I know this is small. I know it is. So I have that thought. I'm like, wouldn't it be kind of cool? So I, I don't tell anyone, right? I think I told Grace, oh, I'm thinking about, you know, so I looked at the prices of watches that what I was looking for and I thought, oh, a metal band would be nice. And, and I looked at the prices and I was like, I'm not going to spend that much money for a watch. I don't want to, I want it to be a good watch. So I'm looking for that deal of like, Give me that $1,500 deal for like $100. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, where is that deal at? I was like, I don't want to spend a lot of money. And I just don't. I got kids and I got family and all this stuff. And, and we're just, I'm not going to do that. So I, I started looking a few years ago. I started, I said, oh, I'm going to look at a certain brand. So I looked at a brand named Tissot. Anybody familiar with that brand? I looked at Tissot. They're Swiss made. I thought, oh, this is kind of close to what I'm thinking. Oh, but I'm not going to, I can't find it. I'm not going to do it. I look at Facebook Marketplace and look to see if I can find that deal. Nothing. And I'm like, it's okay. But you know what? The other thing is the band is so heavy. I, I wish it was a lighter band. And, and so I don't really tell Grace or anyone like what's going on. Have you ever done that? And I'm like, God just knows the desires of my heart. And about a month ago, <clears throat> um, it was on Father's Day weekend. 
someone gave me a gift. And I didn't know what it was. And I'm not going to tell you who it was. Someone gave me a gift. And at first I got the gift, I goes, gosh, this is kind of heavy. And I opened up the box and it was a brand new Tissot watch with a titanium band. And they wanted me to have it and it was brand new. Now see, I know, I, I knew you didn't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. Our God's a big God. He knows the desires of your heart. And so many times there's these little things that God will do for you to show you, you keep waiting. I'm with you. Trust me. You're on the right path. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to do any of those things. You keep letting God have his way in your heart. You keep surrendering to him. You keep trusting him. You keep dying to yourself. You keep reading God's word. You keep praying. You keep going to church. You keep honoring him. You keep giving. You keep honoring him with every corner of your life. And God will bless you. He's a good God. He will take care of you. You don't have to worry about anything. He hears your prayers. I think about this rain. In scripture, there's always a picture of a rainstorm that's happening. And the rainstorm, let's put that picture up. The rainstorm represents the blessings of God. It's because you wait, aren't you? You plant the seed and you wait and you wait and you're waiting for the rain. And I, some of, some of, someone needs to hear this right now because you've been waiting. So hear this, a rainstorm is coming your way. A rainstorm is coming your way because you've been faithful to God. A rainstorm is coming your way. You trust God. You trust him with all of your life. Trust him. There's a dream that we've had, that I had at Thorn Creek. I'm going to share it. I'm being super vulnerable in this whole message, so you may use it against me. I don't know. It's between you and the Lord. Here's the dream. This is a dream I've had. Thorn Creek will be the kind of church where people pass up job promotions to stay at it. That's the dream. That's the dream. We've had people who passed up job promotions to stay at this church. We've had people who say, I'm not going to move farther than X miles from Thorn Creek. Maybe that's you. I don't want to move too far away. And when I hear that, I think about this dream. Way back when, when we were starting Thorn Creek, when we were running three people strong and five people strong, literally that was the dream. And I shared it with that group of three or five or seven. And I said, I have a dream. One day we're going to be the kind of church where people are going to pass up job promotions. You know how we measure success here, guys? Changed lives. Lives that have been changed by Jesus. That's how we measure success here. Trusting God and letting God do an incredible work. And let me just say it like this, guys. There's a promise. God is moving, and God wants you to trust him, and you're part of the story. And whatever reason you came to church, and maybe this is going to be your last time for a while because we're going a little bit long and and we're invading in your time. I don't know. But I want to encourage you to trust God. You plant that seed. You wait on him. You trust him. God's going to do a miracle in your life. He'll do a miracle in your home. He knows the desires of your heart. You don't have to worry about your future. He knows what you want, and he loves you. He wants you to be faithful. He wants you to wait. He wants you to trust him. There's no reason for you to worry about anything. You believe that? There's no reason for you to worry about anything. And some of you came to church. I'll close with this. God brings great things from small things. He brings great things from small things. And you may feel like, I just got a little bit of faith. I just got a little bit of hope. I just have a little resources. I'm just at my end. And I'm just, I just got a little bit. I've just got, I just got two fish and five loaves. It's enough for God to work with. It's enough for God to work with. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Trust God. He sees you and he loves you. Don't give up. Oh, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your presence. Continue to have your way here, Lord. We, we need you, Lord, and we trust you.
So God, right now, I just pray for those who are hearing this message in person and online. If you're ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you just say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. Right now, I want to become a Christian, so I want to make that decision right now. I choose to become a Christian right now. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. Others of you might need to say, God, I want to live for you in a new way. I want to plant good seed and teach me how to wait. Help me to wait. You know my needs. You know the desires of my heart. And I'm choosing to wait on you. And I ask you, God, send the rain. Send the rain, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing here, Lord. I thank you for your faithfulness using me in spite of me thank you god we love you it's in jesus christ's name our savior our mediator the king of kings the lord of lords the son of god the bright and morning star our messiah the word of god our rock our salvation in his name jesus in your name jesus i pray amen